Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Speakers. Southwestern Speakers is comprised of top producing thought leaders, authors, and experts who deliver dynamic presentations that shift the hearts and minds of audiences worldwide. Our team of experienced agents can guide you to find the right speaker for your annual conferences, meetings, and events, providing outstanding service from start to finish. Southwestern Speakers goes above and beyond to elevate your event and offers additional programs to extend the impact of our speaker's presentation long after they have left the stage. Welcome to the Action Catalyst podcast. This is Dan Moore, and today we want to present a conversation between Southwestern Consulting's Ron Alford and world champion speaker, author, and old friend of our program, Mark Brown. It's a great talk covering Mark's upbringing in Jamaica, his unique path to success in the United States, the importance of choosing the right words and the role faith, both in yourself and others, plays in business and leadership. We hope you enjoy it. Our guest is a good friend. He's a Southwestern teammate. He actually is a coach of coaches. He actually coaches a lot of our partners too. Mark's a certified speaking professional that helps people overcome their fears to reach their maximum potential and achieve different levels of results in their life, different levels of excellence. So you'll hear from his accent. He's from Kingston, Jamaica. Mark immigrated to the U.S. uh, at 18 years of age with $40 in his pocket and a dream for better life. And so when you really get to know the depth of his story, man, it's amazing. 15 years later, he won the 1995 World Championship of Public Speaking. Let's just say he's not nervous right now. He's probably not sweating. Since that time, he's delivered more than 3,500 presentations to more than almost 2 million people on five different continents. So Mark's been featured in New York Times, CNN Headline News, even had his own Emmy-nominated PBS special called Words Count. He shared his insights with you name it, any and every type of industry. Then he's also co-authored the book, The Speaker's Edge, and he's the co-host of the weekly Unforgettable Presentations podcast. And so, Mark, if you could, maybe start us off a little bit of your story we asked you, what, what would you love to speak on most? And you chose the topic of faith. So the background is, as you can tell, I'm Jamaican, but I grew up in a family of faith. Now, be bear in mind, I have no intention of proselytizing or converting anyone. I'm going to share my story and the why behind who, okay? I grew up in Jamaica as a Baptist. My mother's father, my grandfather was a Baptist minister. My mother and father met in the Baptist church in the 1950s, got married, I had three kids, three, and we had three kids under three. I went to the Baptist church. So my life has been based upon a foundation my parents built for us, but a choice I made to go along with it. Not everyone who goes to church becomes a person of faith. I get that. But for me, I did. And faith has driven my life through so many experiences. So to give you the reader's digest condensed version of my story to back that up, as Ron told you, I was 18 years old, out of high school. I left Jamaica to move to the Big Apple. I had two suitcases and 40 bucks in my pocket with the belief that I was going to make it. And within 24 hours, 
I had secured a job at a bank, the Dollar Savings Bank on the Grand Concourse in the Bronx, New York, as a bank teller trainee, making a whopping $137.80 a week before taxes. Here's the faith part, though. I believe I'd get a job right away. 24 hours. There are people on the street who said, I can't find work. I can't get a job. I can't get a job. But I believed that God had a plan and a path for me. So my first real evidence in my adult life, you want to call it, was getting this job in 24 hours working for a bank, a job which I lost a couple of months later because I messed up on the job and I paid somebody too much money. And it was a mistake I made twice. I lost that job, ended up working in the vault with some dirty old men. But I had the faith to believe there was more for me that the world had to offer. Within a matter of months, I applied for a job at Attitude Test in computer programming. I aced it. But here's the part about faith that I didn't plan to go into. But understand, I'm 18 in a new country. Older brother back home in university. Younger sister also in New York in a suburb with an uncle of mine in a little tiny tumbleweed town nobody ever heard of called Elmsford, New York. If you know where that is, tell me in the chat. I know where that is. If you do, that's amazing. Look what happens. She moves there. She's 17. She's starting her new life. No college for either of us. And she works at a department store with my uncle and aunt as her host in a little tiny town called Elmsford. I'm in the Bronx with my aunt, divorced mother of two, who gave me her daughter's twin bed and slept with her daughter on her mattress and box spring, no footboard, no headboard, but who loved family enough to take care of me. And for me, faith and family work together, okay? She gave me a chance to just live in her apartment. I get this opportunity to work for a company now. The company says, look, you, you seem to be good at this computer thing. You have to go work for our computer department. We'll give you a raise. We'll start you off as a trainee. Problem is, our facility is not here in the Bronx. Okay, where is it? A little tiny tumbleweed town called... Elmsford, New York. True story. I couldn't have made that up or planned that. But the faith that says God's going to take care of me, I end up with no car, working in the same town I'm living in. Wherever I went, God, had, God gave me some favor. I understand my background is I could be afraid of so many things, even to this day. But faith believes. To me, the simplest faith definition is this. I don't see it, but I believe it. I didn't see a way out. I didn't see how am I going to get to work every day. I didn't see that, but it worked out. I found this job, and I began my career as a mainframe computer programmer. And, of course, I had done the Harry Belafonte thing. You know, make a farewell. Sad to say I'm on my way. Won't be back for many a day. My heart is down. My head is turning around. I got to leave a little girl in Kingston Town. I had left Andrea there in 1980 when I left, but two years later, we got married. It took her 10 months to get a visa to come and join me in New York. And by then I'd moved to Mount Vernon, just outside the Bronx. But the role of faith in, our, in my life, Ron and friends, has not just been about individual situations. It's been a pattern. For me, it's a lifestyle. For me, it's pursue the goal and trust that you'll find the way. It's pursue the goal and trust that you'll get the right relationships to help you 
as you help others along the way. And I'm not gonna give you my whole life story, but to tell you this, faith has played a significant part in a couple more areas. I went for this bank job and I changed banks several times back and forth and people I know move along. And at one point it became really untenable working for a bank. What happened was as at the bank, we we're gonna do a merger and I was in charge of all the file conversions. Anybody in IT will understand this. I won't bore you with the details. I find out my mother is very sick. I talked to her on the phone on a Friday. And on the following day, Saturday, my sister calls because she had gone to Florida to live. She says, mom did not wake up last night. So I made plans to go say my last farewell while in the midst of this massive conversion at work. Now, I have been on schedule, ahead of schedule, in line for all my testing. My boss was aware of my situation. I said, look, I'll be gone for a week, but I'm ahead of schedule. We're good. No problem. I'm in Florida to say goodbye to my mom three days in, and I get a phone call from my boss. Monica, I'm so sorry. The other bank called to ask about your progress. And I told him, well, he's ahead of schedule. Where are the files, though? Well, the files are due in a week. He'll be back. He'll be fine. What, what happened? Well, his mother passed away and he went with his family to Florida to say goodbye for the last time. Oh, I see. So where are our files? And the callousness of these individuals who were leaders, it really hurt me. And I returned, I got the job done, the files were complete, the job went through smoothly, no problem. And they told me, well, you know what? It's gonna to come to an end now. This is 92, we're in a session. So we're gonna to come to an end, you can stay with us or you can take severance and leave in the middle of the recession. After what I went through, I was not gonna stay with that company. And my faith said, I will find a job no matter what happens. Even though I'm gonna leave in May, I got nothing lined up, but I believe I can get to work at Reader's Digest. I had a friend there who says they got jobs there. I got a hold of a headhunter. I found out I hit a wall. They don't hire anyone without a college degree. I didn't have one. So I said, you know what, fine. And my wife stepped in, honey, I have faith to believe you will work at Reader's Digest. My assignment ends in May. I have no job. And they say, listen, we need some help in one area. Do you mind staying for a month or two? I said, being Jamaican, yeah, man, no problem, man. I'll keep working. I'll keep getting paid. And they kept stringing me on. In the meantime, a friend of mine at Reader's Digest says, Mark, they're hiring people. You think you're qualified? Send me your resume. I need it tomorrow morning. So I met this buddy, Jerry. I met him off a highway exit in Yonkers, New York, handed him my resume to bring it to HR in faith that they would accept at least they'd look at it and forgot about it. July became August, became September, became October. They keep extending my time because I have no job. I told them I want to leave, but I had no job and they kept keeping me on. Finally, I get an interview at Reader's Digest. I spend a day with five people until the last person, the senior vice president. And I was told, Mark, we have one question. Your college degree? I said, I have none. I came to America at 18 with 40 bucks, began to work, got married at 20, began a family. God blessed us. I want to take care of my wife and my kids and my wife is home with the kids. So I kept working. I haven't had a chance to get a college degree, but I believe I can serve you. They let me in anyway, had an interview, went well, I go home. The following day, I find out I'm going to be ending my contract with the other company in the end of November. Then the call came from HR. 
Mr. Brown, we reviewed your interview and documents, and um, we are not going to offer you the position you applied for. However, we want to offer you a senior analyst job at a higher salary. Would that be okay with you? Well, let me think about it for a second. <laughs> well, yes. My wife told me six months earlier on her faith, if I did the work, applied myself and believed that I'd find the opportunity, I would work at Reader's Digest. And I started there December 7th, 1992. The only guy on the team without a college degree. Because I believed if I did the work, applied myself and trusted that my character and the quality of work I put in would speak for itself. I had to trust and believe that, Ron. And you know, people think of faith being some kind of religious thing. Right. Faith is not just faith in believing for a miracle. It's also faith in people. It's faith in, in your ability. It's, it's a confidence that says, you know, I know I can do this. Let's not mistake faith as saying, I don't see it. I believe it. And I'll wait for it to happen. Because the good book says faith without the work is dead. So while I had faith I'd get the job at Reader's Digest, I had to continue to prove myself every single day. I had to make the calls. I had to put the effort in. It's not just, okay, come on, God, I'm your kid. Give it to me. Faith has to have an element of effort that you put in, believing that the effort will have reward. My faith got tested in the summer of 1993 when I collapsed in the parking lot of a market in Yonkers, New York, with massive chest pains, I passed out. Reader's Digest condensed version, I was diagnosed in hospital with multiple pulmonary emboli, which is as clear as mud, which meant several blood clots in my lungs covering about 60%. And that was the good news. The bad news was one massive clot inside the left atrium of my heart. When they took a picture of my heart in the nuclear medicine department and took it to the doctor, he asked the technician, oh, this guy's in the morgue, right? He said, no, he's on the fourth floor. He said, what? And after about three days of passing out and tests and everything, my cardiologist chose to use medication called TPA, which is a clot-busting drug, which had not yet been used for that purpose in 1993. He applied the drug. I passed out one more time. They called a code. I woke up with an airway in my throat, and they brought me back. They brought me back. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing right now, you are not done yet. We must continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to give and continue to live. If I stop learning, I stop living and I'm not done living yet. We have no idea what possible is, Ron, right now. I didn't know what possible was when I was 18. I had no clue what was possible when I was lying in, on, in a bed for how many weeks in recovery from, from his illness. We don't know what's possible for us. We tend to set our own limitations and faces. I've got to believe that there's more. But here's what's also possible. There are individuals in your lives every single day who are there to bolster and build your faith and also to be the help you need, the mentorship, the guidance, the wisdom, the correction. They are there. You have to have faith that they exist, but also with your faith, open your eyes to see them. And Ron, you coach people every single day and you tell them you have faith in them when they don't have faith in themselves. Yeah. Now, Ron, you see that almost every single day with your coaching clients. Always, yeah. But I think there's probably a lot of listeners right now that are thinking, well, Mark was probably just born this way. Like it must be in his blood. You're either motivated or you're not. You either have faith or you don't. And I think that's a misconception that, that, that sells us short. So how do you strengthen that muscle? Are there things you do that help with this? I put it this way. 
I don't want my feet to hit the floor in my bedroom until I connect with whom I call God first. If some people, they want to get a workout, have the morning coffee, please, you do what serves you. But run ask me what I do. I have my prayer time in the morning. But knowing I have a life partner in my wife, Andrea, who believes as I believe, who lives as I live, who thinks as I think, that also helps to ground me. My music reflects my mindset. My playlist is very eclectic, but if you go to my YouTube history, you'll see a lot of worship music that kind of puts me in that perspective. And that works for me. I want to point out, though, it's also helpful, I think, to have faith in the people around you who you lean on, who are within your sphere of influence. So I have a certain degree of faith in people who I believe can help steer me the right way. So who do I surround myself with? Who do I connect with on a regular basis to keep me grounded, to keep me lifted, and to help pick me up when I'm down? But those are the kind of things I do throughout my day, those relationships. And also, it's the effort I put into serving the people who I serve. If I don't work my best and give my best, I feel I have shortchanged my client. My greatest fear as a keynote speaker is not giving my audience value. I would hate to walk off that stage, leave that event, and the audience think it was not worth their while. That just crushed me. So the pursuit of excellence is part of my process. And the faith to believe that in that pursuit, I'll deliver the results that will serve somebody, that also drives me. It's a long answer, I know, Ron, but I hope it covers, gives a clear perspective of why I believe what I believe and do what I do. Well, I cannot emphasize enough. I had a coaching call yesterday where we talked about that one of my clients I've been working with for about four years, and he's just lately been hanging around a lot of naysayers, a lot of doubters, mm. a lot of people that are energy vampires or whatever you want to call them. They just want to suck the yep. fun so suckers, I, man. <laughs> and, uh, you have to be so incredibly selective of right, right now, especially because he's in a vulnerable time. I said, right now, man, you have to be more selective than ever before of who you're choosing to talk to and who you're choosing to associate with and be around. And so I love what you said. Doubt is the opposite of faith, right? Look back at history. I draw a lot of faith from history of humankind. It's easy to think this is the worst it's ever been is what I think a lot of us feel. And then you, you go back and read history and you realize the human race has gotten through this kind of stuff and we become better because of it. And so I love hearing your language because you can tell words matter. If I say things like, God, I've just been so stressed lately, or oh, all this stuff's getting to me, or I'm full of anxiety, or I'm doubting this, I'm doubt boy, it just gets worse. It compounds. But if someone says, Man, Mark, how you been doing last week? You know, I'm feeling good. Life's a little crazy, but I'm feeling really peaceful. Using words like calm and peaceful, I love it. No, I appreciate that. You know, because look, I don't want anyone to think, here's a guy who's just always up and the world is roses and rainbows and unicorns. That would be an untruth because all of us go through seasons where we get low. I was riding high at one point. You know, I had got this job where working with, with kids and I was giving talks all over the country. I was traveling a lot and my wife prayed me home. <laughs> he's gone, to, getting older now, he's gone too much. God, bring my husband home. And the company I worked for decided, full-time job, full, I mean, good, great salary benefits. They decided they had some concerns and they had to cut, you know, tighten their belt. And my program got cut first. It wasn't about my performance. People love my performance. 
And even when things are going low for you, if you know why you do what you do, it can lighten the burden. That job went away, Ron, and I have not been employed since then. I've been self-employed since then, and things have always been perfectly rosy. I've had some good years and some horrendous years, but I'm still here. I've also learned that many of us can navigate and get through successfully what we don't think we can until it faces us. But if we have the faith to believe that I can get through it, that alone can dispel some of the worry, the fear, and the anxiety. And I confess, when it first happened, nobody wants to start over in the mid-50s, Ron. Nobody wants to do that. But I had to do that. Mm-hmm. But faith in people surrounding me, supporting me, encouraging me, lifting me, a wife who I would not trade for 10 more, trust me, I would not, <laughs> and a belief that my purpose is not yet fulfilled, keeps me going, keeps me serving, and keeps me moving ahead. And I'm learning that very often what we think we can't handle, we can. And there's always people around who, if we put some faith in others who want to support us, who want to lift us, who want to encourage us, your faith, their action put together can really help help keep you strong. Yes, much depends on our mindset, how we think, what we say, how we act. But we aren't isolated in an island. Even though we're physically distanced, we still have these great relationships that we can rely on. And the people who will tell you, I believe in you, I have faith in you. If you stop and think back over your life, when someone said, I think you can, and you're like, me, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I have faith in you. I believe you can do it, and I'll help you. You think to all the people who said that to you throughout your life, in business, in, in whatever you did, in volunteer work, in your family, maybe in your house of worship, you think back. Faith played a part. The question is, how do you pay that forward? How do you reward someone's faith in you? How do you lift someone? How do you, how do you help someone? How do you encourage someone? How do you reward their faith in you by the building faith in them? It's a communal effort, Ron. And one of the keys is, if we are willing to look back and really rehearse what we've been through, we'll begin to redefine possible. Because what I've been through the last five, six years, I didn't think was possible. Where I am, I didn't think was possible. We tend to think of possible in terms of limitations. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's possible, but I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. What can you do if you redefine that's possible? We need to redefine possible and add the element of faith to our thinking. And I believe we'll shift our thinking. Yeah, well said, brother. Obviously, your story coming from Jamaica, the, the health situation, the jobs you got without a college degree. Guys, we all have them. It's not about comparing them to each other's. But when you think through all the things that you've been carried through and, and that you've had resilience and you've been able to persevere and you've been able to overcome in your life, we're only getting stronger every day. We all have heard the old adage, it's better to give than to receive. When you give, it, it just somehow, some way always comes back to you. And so how do you give another human faith? Like, how do you strengthen them and help them not worry so much and not have this fear? And so, so given that faith to others, man, you, you're reminding us of how, how it is better to give than to receive. The more we can share, it somehow, some way always comes back to us. Ron, I appreciate that. But I have one last story of faith. 95, after I lose my world title and uh, the contest 94, I go back again. It's six months long. It's 20,000 contestants, 14 countries to become the world champion. I get 
to the finals, 95, and I end up, I'm the world champion of public speaking. My family joins me on stage, Ron, and they're all happy. And it's, it's a wonderful feeling. It's great. Okay. I'm on the stage and she gives me a greeting card in my hand. I'm like, okay, I can't look at this right now. So I put it in my pocket, you know, with my pocket and I, and I go about my business. I'm signing autographs. I'm getting handshakes. An hour and a half later, it's time to go to the pool. I get back to my hotel room. I'm pulling my coat off and I feel this greeting card in my pocket. I whip it out. Now, it's in San Diego, California. We're in, we're in New York, all across the country, right? Three time zones away. I pull the envelope out and it's for daddy from the kids. I said, like, how cool. I unseal it because it was seal. I unseal it, pull the card out and I read it. Andrine, my daughter, congrats, daddy. I knew you could win. My son, Joel. Proud of your daddy. And then David, you know, he's nine months old. He's making a scrolls on that thing. I'm so blessed. I said, honey, look what the kids did. They got me this card because I won the contest. She said, babe, you don't understand the story. I said, what do you mean? They got me a card. It's so cool. Honey, shut up and listen. Yes, sweetheart. The kids were looking for that card for you. And they saw that card and they bought that card <laughs> with your money. And they signed the card. And they put it in the envelope. And they sealed the envelope before we left New York to come to California. Wow. That's how much faith your kids have in you. And if they were here, I would just say this. Did you ever know that you're my hero and everything I would like to be? Now I can fly higher than an eagle. You are the wind beneath my wings. My family happens to be the main reason and a great source of faith on my behalf. Don't discount the power of your faith and the power of those who love you, the faith they have for your own success. I encourage you to redefine possible and fortify your faith. Mm. We love your heart, man. Just thank I you. I appreciate that, man. I do, Ron. I do. One quick question I want to hit. Mark, what would you say? How to be sure that I make the right decision and follow my calling? Any thoughts on this? You know, I've always said weigh all the pros and cons. I think if we, if we assess every aspect of it and then ask yourself, really, what is the deepest why? Am I doing this because it's only going to make me more money, but is there a cost associated? Very often we see an opportunity more money, greater income, greater position, greater prestige, but will that cost your family something? Will that cost you time with the ones you love? Is it the right time to do it? Maybe the right thing, but the wrong time. If all those pieces align along with the counsel of one or two people you trust, that will probably help you to really ground you and center you because it's easy to make a choice on your own. We are taught you're American. We do it on our own. We're number one. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, but never discount the value of wise counsel. So weigh, I see all these pluses. What are the potential minuses? What am I willing to work with? And bounce it off somebody you trust and then move accordingly. That's a perfect way to end it. Mark, we can't thank you enough, man. Your heart is, is huge. The things you've done in this earth and, and gone through. Thanks for sharing with us today. I appreciate that. And I, I urge everyone, spend some time today and physically write down what you think is possible based upon the perspective of faith. And you might just see that you have been redefining possible.
Guys, we love you. Thanks for joining us. Blessings all. Thanks. Take care. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.